So, for our regular church folk, you know, we've been busy with the with the series called Dig Deep, tied to our year theme. Um, for some of our CMA members, um, especially from the outlying areas, you may not have been exposed to our theme all that much. Um, but this year, the theme of the ministry, whether it be in Bikers Church or in CMA, the theme of the ministry for the year is courage. Um, and I got excited when I heard last year that that was going to be the theme for for the year. But as the year's gone on, I've, I've become more excited and understand why we have the theme. Because we need courage. So... For the year, we have a we have a key scripture. It's one Chronicles uh, twenty eight, um, in particular verse twenty. But before we get into the scripture, I just feel like we need a b- bit of context to the scripture. Just give you a bit of background. So essentially, where where the scripture is found, it's it's found kind of at the end of King David's life, and as it's found at the end of King David's life. Um, he has this burning desire. One day he, he has a look and he sees where the Ark of the Covenant is and where it's stored and it's kept. And then he looks at the palace that he lives in and he thinks to himself, man, you know what? I'm, I live in this mansion of a place. And then I look at the place where we keep the Ark of the Covenant and it kind of, kind of feels like, like God lives in a shack compared to where I live. And he has this burning desire to, to build God a house worthy of him. So he, he sets out to build this temple, but first he goes to the prophet Nathan and he says, do you think it's okay? Do you think it's okay that I build this? And Nathan essentially says to him, hey, whatever's in your heart to do, do it. And as he's about to get started, God steps in and he says, David, I appreciate the thought, but I've never lived in a house. I'll never live in a house. I'll never live in a building. But I appreciate the gesture and I'll, I'll let this happen, but you won't build it. David, you, you've got too much blood on your hands. You can't build the temple, but I'll allow your lineage to build it. I'll allow Solomon, your son, to build the temple. And here, like I say, but by the time we're reaching chapter 28, we, we, we kind of getting into the tail end of a conversation that, that, David's busy having with Solomon of, of pretty much his succession plan of, of just saying, Solomon, one day you're going to rule. One day you're going to lead God's people. And, and at the same time, you've got this project of building the temple. And I've gathered all the materials. I've, I've done everything, all the preparation, all the groundwork. I've done everything for you to be able to do this. And now you're going to have to do it. And then as we catch up with him in chapter 28 and, and verse 20. It says, David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous. Solomon, this is going to be a big task. This is going to be a big task. There's going to be a lot to do. You're going to come up against a lot of challenges. You're going to, you're going to face a lot of opposition. You're going to, there's going to be a lot that's going to come your way and you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. And I believe that even though David spoke these words to his son Solomon, I believe that 
these words travel across the Old Testament and through the 400 years of silence and into the New Testament and through the cross of Jesus Christ to us today, where I believe those same words still ring true for you and me in our daily lives. Be strong and be courageous for the Lord your God is with you. And as we look throughout Scripture, throughout Scripture, these words aren't unique to David having a conversation with Solomon. Be strong and courageous. The most famous of these is is where God speaks to Joshua. Joshua 1 verses 7. He says, Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, he repeats himself. He says, be strong and courageous. And whenever I think of these words, you know, this is kind of the the key scripture that most of us would think of when we think of be strong and courageous. But you can go and look through scripture, the amount of times where people are instructed, hey, be strong, be courageous, take heart, take courage. Several times in scripture, people are instructed, be strong, be courageous. And you know, As I say, be strong and courageous, for a lot of us, we're not really in a place where we kind of feel like it's really needed, like things are going pretty okay. Things are going pretty good. And it's a beautiful little fridge magnet. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. 1 verse 7. It's right there, little lion's head. It's all ferocious, and you think, you know, one day I might need that. But right now I'm good. And then there's others of us. (laughs) You you may be in the thick of it right now. And those words carry such weight for your life. Such weight for your life. Where, Where you're facing stuff that you never thought in a million years you'd have to be facing. And, and you think of those words, be strong and be courageous, and they actually feel too big. They actually just, it actually just feels like there is no way that in this moment I can actually be strong. It actually feels like there's no way that in this moment I can actually find the courage to just get my feet out of bed in the morning. Well, well done to you because you're here now. And if I'm honest, we've, we, we've found ourselves there. I've found myself there. I've, you know, it's, it's no secret that as a ministry, we've gone through a really tough time. We really have. The past two years have been very challenging for us. Thank God we're coming out the other end. Amen. I firmly believe that. But as we've worked through these things, guess what? We've had to be strong. We've had to be courageous. We've had to take God at his word. And as we've had to deal with these things within the ministry, I can even speak for myself and my wife in our own lives, you know. Things have been tough, you know. There have been moments where I've been lying in bed, just looking at the ceiling going, go into ministry, they said. It'll be pleasant, they said. The hours are great, they said. The people are fantastic, they said. Oh man, what a ride. You know, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I actually typed out a resignation at one point. 
where life just, it, 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 there was just no way that God can be in this, in my own mind. Where I looked at it and I was just like, Lord, Lord clearly you're showing me to move on. Because it, it can't be this. It cannot be this. When my wife and I sat around our dining room table, I don't know how many times, and just asked each other the real questions. Is it time? Is it time? Is it time to just, to just move on? Is, it, is, is God actually saying to us, up to here, no further? And then we'd search God's heart. And, and, and again, I can remember the one specific morning we were heading into quite a rough day. And, and my wife sitting at the table with me and we're praying through what's about to happen in the day. And guess what? Joshua 1 verse 7. <laughs> she, she opens her eyes. She's like, Ramon, this is what I believe God's saying to us. Be strong and courageous. And as she said it, I'm like, I was thinking that. But I didn't know if it was me or God. And it's hard to tell right now. But if you're saying so, then it must be God. And being strong and being courageous was, was putting one foot in front of the other. You know what I'm talking about? And if we're honest, in those moments, quite often we, we, we really may even sense a, feel a sense of, of rejection. We may even see deep relationships die. And, and during all of this, especially if you're a leader in CMA here today, uh, you, you still have to go out and connect with people and, and, and feed people and, and care for them and nurture them and, and love them. Even through your own brokenness and in the midst of your own pain, you still have to do it. And somewhere along the line, you just grow tired. And honestly, you just feel like you need a really long nap. Let's be honest. And then we're reminded, be strong and be courageous. And we put one foot in front of the other. And I can be honest that, that, that there have been several times over the past two years where we have really just had this sinking feeling this this feeling where i felt that my circumstances were just too much and it felt like i was gonna drown and as i was in one of these moments god took me to the life of jesus and I think there's no better life for us to reflect on. There's no better life for us to learn from in those moments. And God takes me to the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 53. And it shows us there that, that Jesus gets rejected by his own people. Can you believe that? Jesus gets rejected by his own people. He goes into his own hometown and he gets rejected by his own people. He, he, it says that he couldn't perform any great miracles because his own rejected him. They looked at him and they said, hey man, this guy is pretending to be this guy, but isn't he the carpenter's son? Like I know his mom. If he's this main Mackie, why aren't his own brothers following him? He's just the carpenter's son. <laughs> Like, who's this guy? And his own people rejected him. 
And in the very next chapter, chapter 14, the, right at the top of the, of, the, of the verse, we see him come straight out of this place where his own people reject him. And we see him, him step into a situation where his cousin gets killed. And John the Baptist gets beheaded. And, and I don't think that they just had a by-the-by relationship. You see, the Word of God tells us then that when, when Elizabeth, John's mom, was pregnant, Mary came to visit her and, said to, and told her the story, hey, the angel came and appeared to me, I'm with child, it's, a, you know, it's an impregnation from the Holy Spirit. You know, and, and she's telling her the whole story. And, and when, when John, in his mother's womb, hears that Jesus is on his way, it says that John leapt. John leapt. Before he was even born, John leapt in his mom's womb. I think there was a special relationship there. When, when, when John saw Jesus approaching while John's speaking to a group of people, he stops everything he's doing. He points Jesus out and he says, look. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I believe there was real relationship. And that the death of his cousin wasn't just a thing that Jesus brushed off and then moved past. I'm sure he was gutted. I'm sure he was heartbroken. I'm sure he had to deal with his own sense of loss in that moment. So here his people reject him. Then his cousin dies. And straight from there we see him step into a pretty big church service where he has to go and feed 5,000 people. Now the Bible talks about the feeding of the 5,000, but if we know a bit about culture of the day, only men were counted. Women and children weren't counted. So if we take that into account, think about this. Give every man a wife and give every wife a child. You're talking about 15,000 people. Now the truth be told, they didn't just have one kid, did they? So I think conservatively speaking, you're looking at 15,000 people. And Jesus steps into this place where he's dealing with his own hurt. He's dealing with his own brokenness. He's, he's, he, he's, he's carrying his own load. And people come to him with a load of their own. And that's hunger. And it's saying, we need food. The disciples are like, Lord, it's late. Send them away so they can buy food. And Jesus says, no, you feed them. Come, we're going to do this. We're going to feed them. And they... Get a little kid with his lunch. We know the story. And Jesus performs an incredible miracle. And he feeds 5,000. And after he feeds 5,000, it says that he was tired. He was tired. He was exhausted. And he, he goes and, and he says to his disciples, you go to the other side of the lake. You go to the other side of the lake. I'm going to go into the hills and I'm, I'm going to go rest. And I'm going to go pray. So Jesus goes and he, and he does that. And if we look at, if we look at, at Matthew 14 from verse 24, it says this, it says, <coughs> it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, 
They were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! Folks, how is it possible for men who did life with Jesus, the men who who should recognize Jesus, be the first to recognize Jesus, how is it possible that these men looked at this man in the storm and couldn't recognize him? That was my first question. My second was more aimed at myself. And I'd like to pose it to you. Isn't it true that sometimes when the storm of life rages, it's really tough to identify Jesus. It's really tough to see Jesus. It's really hard to hear him, to recognize his voice. It's really hard to see him, to recognize his hand on our circumstance and on our lives. It's really hard to feel him. To feel his presence when the storm's raging. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, how I envy you. But you might have to check your pulse. Because so often in us, when our circumstances are overwhelming, if we're honest, if we're honest, it's just hard to recognize Jesus in those moments. Sorry, I'm being honest this morning. It carries on and it says, But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Take courage. I am here. I find it amazing that, he, that, that Jesus didn't say to them, hey, conjure up some courage. Feel courage. No, he said, take courage. Like courage is an action. Take courage. And then, forgive me for saying this, but I honestly believe that, that this next line is... <laughs> is probably some of the worst Bible translating that ever took place. And forgive me for saying that. You can come challenge me on it afterwards. I give you full right. Because we read it in the English language. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. But if you go and read it in the original language, it doesn't say I am here. It says the I am is here. That changes the ball game, folks. Because there Jesus wasn't just saying, hey, don't worry, I'm here. No, Jesus deliberately connects with the word of God to Moses standing in front of a burning bush. And Jesus says, the I am is here. And that's what God said to Moses. Moses is standing in front of this burning bush. And God is saying to him, hey, take off your sandals and step onto holy ground. And Moses is like, Lord, I'm going to take off these sandals. I'm going to take a step onto holy ground. 
And Lord, you're going to ask me some really big things to do. You're going to ask me to lead your people out of slavery. You're going to ask me to take a step into, into Pharaoh's courts and to challenge him to let your people go. Lord, then you're going to ask me to take a step into the wilderness leading your people and asking them to take steps with me. Lord, and who do I say does this? And God answers and he says, you say that I am sent you. Not I was, not I will be. I am right here, right now. I am. And Jesus goes and he connects with those words of God to Moses. Can you imagine what that said to those guys freaking out on that boat in the middle of a storm? Jesus didn't just say, hey, it's okay, I'm here, don't worry. He said, no, the great I am is right here, right now. The same I am that was the salvation for Israel out of Egypt is the same I am for your salvation right now in this storm. That's the I am that is here. He carries on. It says, then Peter called to him, Lord, Lord, if it's really you, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water toward Jesus. Bless you, little girl. Shame, man. You see, how often are we in a situation where, if we're honest, we, we look at our circumstance, we look at the wind, we look at the waves, we, we see the waves swelling and the wind pumping, and, and we, we're struggling to recognize Jesus. And in that moment, what he's really asking us to do is to recognize that the I am is here. And as we recognize that the I am is here, for us to respond like Peter, because here all Peter really did was, was said, Lord, I'm not sure if it's you. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's you. But if it's you, then will you call me out to walk on the stuff that would normally kill me? Is that making sense? Is that computing? Lord, call me to you. And if it's you, then I'll walk on stuff that normally drowns me, that normally kills me. And folks, you and I, at times we feel rejected by our own. Isn't that true? We've, 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 the Word of God tells us that, that, that there's nothing that we face today that Jesus didn't face himself. In fact, and as Jesus was rejected, there, there, there are times where we feel rejected by our own. And, and if we're honest, we, we see deep relationships die. And all along, there's still people around us who need stuff from us, who, who, who need to be fed, who need to be cared for, who need to be loved. And, and in our own brokenness, we still need to go out and we still need to do that day in and day out. 
And all along, we just feel like we need some rest. We just feel like we need some rest. (laughs) And right there, it gets late and it gets dark. And the storm rages and the wind blows and the swells pump and it feels like we're drowning. And I believe that it's in these moments, folks, it's in this dark picture that we've just painted. It's in, it's in these moments. It's in these heavy times. It's when our circumstances feel bigger than us. It's in those moments that God prepares us in the storm of life and its circumstances for a greater level of life and ministry. I believe that with all my heart. How can I say that? It's simple. You see, up until now, in, in, the, in, the, in the Gospels, the disciples had very much just been passive bystanders. They've just kind of been sitting by. Jesus would heal someone and they'd just look in amazement. Jesus would feed people. For the first time in the, in the feeding of the 5,000, they actually just went and found a kid with lunch. That's just how active they got in that moment. Up until then, Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He did all these incredible things. And the disciples just watched in amazement. But here in this moment, Jesus challenges them and he challenges their belief. He challenges their faith and he actually invites them to get stuck into the story with him. You see, it was these moments with Jesus where they needed to throw everything of their lives at Jesus, to invest all of themselves into the belief that Jesus is the I am. And that as they did that, God shifted their lives, He shifted their faith, He shifted their thinking, He shifted the motivations of their hearts to a different level of life. And it's because of these moments that we read of in, 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 as we're reading now in the book of, of Matthew chapter 14. It's because of these moments that we see the book of Acts unfold. Probably the greatest time of ministry that the world has ever seen. First century church. And I believe, folks... As we face our challenges, as we've faced our hardships, as we've gone through some dark times and and faced some incredibly harsh moments in life, and possibly you may still be there, you may still be facing these things, but I believe with all my heart that it's not for free. It's not for free. It doesn't just happen. There's a purpose in this. And it's in these moments that God has been preparing us to walk on the stuff that would previously drown us. To walk on the stuff that would previously sink us. That ultimately He takes those stumbling blocks, those hindrances, those things that would trip us up in life. He takes our stumbling blocks and ultimately He turns them into stepping stones to function on a different level. You know, we have this horrible saying, yeah, you know, people will say, so how are you doing? You say, well, you know, under the circumstances, uh, not too bad. 
I want to ask this. Why are we under the circumstances? Why are we under the circumstances? You know when Peter went under the circumstances? When he took his eyes off Jesus. The moment that Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he stepped out of the boat and he walked on the stuff that should sink him. And the only time that he went under was when he dropped his eyes off Jesus and started looking at his circumstances. The moment he shifted his eyes to his circumstances, he went under the circumstances. Where are you at today? Are you under the circumstances? Maybe it's time to, to take stock and ask, hey, if I'm under the circumstances, then where am I looking? If I'm under the circumstances, where's my focus? Is my focus on the wind? Is my focus on the waves? Or is my focus on the great I am? Where's my focus? You see, folks, Peter didn't survive. The disciples didn't survive because of their phenomenal sailing skills. And let's be honest, they were crafted and gifted in sailing. That's what they did. But they didn't survive because of their sailing skills. They didn't, Peter didn't survive because of his swimming skills. No. No. The disciples survived and went on to do incredible things with their lives for God. Why? Because they recognized that the I am is here. And they threw themselves completely at his mercy, completely into his life, and allowed him to be the center of their lives. You see, we rise above as we recognize that the I am is here. That he defies the laws of physics. That he turns liquids into solids. That he turns light into on time. That he turns dark into light. That he turns rejection into acceptance and love. That he turns death into life. That he turns the storm into the substance of his success. In vessels that were rejected and broken and overused and depleted. And we rise above as you and I take courage knowing that the I am is here. And the worship team's welcome to come up. I've been quoting this guy a lot because I've been reading one of his books and Owen McManus said this, he said, just because we have the freedom of choice doesn't mean our choices bring freedom. Just because we have freedom of choice doesn't mean that our choices bring freedom. What's your choice today, folks? What's your choice? Is it the wind and the waves? Is that where, my, where I choose to focus? Because focus is a choice. Focus is a choice. Is my focus going to be the wind and the waves? Or am I going to choose to focus on the fact that the I am is here? That the same salvation that there was for Israel out of Egypt 
is the same salvation that is available for you and for me in our circumstance right here, right now. You see, folks, fear always demands a response, doesn't it? The good news is, so does courage. Courage demands a response from you and me. A response of surrender. I believe the only response to that moment where courage is needed is surrender. It's to surrender our lives to Jesus wholeheartedly. Without reservation. Where we, where we look at, at God and, and, and in the words of Peter, we say, Lord, Lord, in the midst of all this mess, in these moments where I even feel like I don't even know if it's you, but Lord, if it's you, if it's you, then Lord, call to me. Call to me and let me come to you walking on the stuff that should kill me. See, folks, I don't know about you, but but I'm done with a mediocre life. I'm done with just doing what I need to to get by. And it's not hard, folks. I know when the pressure's on, when the pressure's on and and life gets tough, it's so easy to just go, you know what? I'm going to do just enough to survive right now. But folks, there are no swimming wings in the waters of life. My, my little boy, he can't swim without wearing his wings. But, but there are no wings in the waters of life. We either sink or we walk on it. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? When we do just enough to get by, it's like we keep reaching for the edge of the boat, hoping we're not going to drown. I believe that God desires a greater life from you and from me desires a bigger life from you and from me in the ministry of cma folks let me talk to you for a brief moment where are we at where are we at how effective are we on a rally site how effective are we at a day job how effective are we in our own personal lives when we get to a rally site does anything change when we get to a day job does anything change and, and I've got to ask this question, how can I expect for anything to change when I've not allowed Jesus to change this life? How? How? It's easy, I skip church, I go for a ride and eat. It's like a... I pay no attention to my spiritual life and then I expect to step out onto a rally site and for something to change. How? Under what authority? With what power? I love you guys with all my heart. And folks, I'm part of that team. I want to see us be effective. I want to see us change this nation for Jesus. But it's not going to happen when I'm slapped with my relationship with God. I'm sorry. Let's blame it on being English. But I'm serious. How can, I, how can I be passive in my walk with Jesus and expect for Him to be explosive in my life? Folks, it's time. It's time for us to not live in a space of mediocrity. It's time for us to recognize that the I am is here.
and to do whatever I need to to keep that love relationship alive, burning, strong, powerful, and evident in my life. Who wants to follow someone who's suffering and dying the whole time? Folks, it's time for Jesus to become a reality in this flesh and bone, this earth suit that I live in. For us to cast these things aside and realize, you know what? This is temporary. This is a dress rehearsal. There are bigger things to come, but who am I taking with me? Who am I taking with me? Is this life worth following? Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Can we answer that today? Folks, where's our focus? Is it on the wind? Is it on the waves? Or is it on recognizing that the I am is here? Is here. And I believe that when we say, Lord, I surrender my all to you. If it's you, call me and I'll come walking on the stuff that should kill me. And his response to you, folks, with all his heart, with the heart of a loving father, will always be, yes, come. Come. He wants relationship with you. He desires for him to be explosive in your life. You see, folks, if we're honest, the book of Acts never stopped. As the disciples lived out the book of Acts, the book of Acts never stopped. I'm preaching much longer than I should have. I'm sorry. I'm excited. You and I, folks, we're still writing the book of Acts. We're still writing the book of Acts. This morning, this morning, I've asked the band to do a song with us. There may be stuff that you may need to give to God. There may be stuff in your life, areas of mediocrity that have slipped in because unbelief somewhere along the line slipped in and, and we didn't make God priority in our lives. And, and maybe there's certain areas of life where we just need to offer Him praise, offer Him worship, where we need to raise a hallelujah to our Jesus. And say, Lord, in every area of my life, may you be king. May you be king. May you be the great I am. Would you stand to your feet as we just do this together? Father God, today we just recognize you as sovereign, Lord. We recognize you as king. Father God, I thank you that today we do not come to a statue made of stone, Lord, or, or, or wood or bronze or anything like that, Lord. But I thank you that today we can come to a living God. And Father God, I thank you that you are alive and you are well, Lord, and that you are alive within our lives, Lord, as we surrender to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that we do not have to be under the circumstances, Lord. But Father God, that we are above the circumstances as we keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Father God, we're not talking about smooth sailing, Lord. We're not talking about life just passing us by, Lord. But Father God, we are talking about keeping our eyes firmly fixed 
on the fact that the I am is here. And we praise you for that, Jesus. Father God, I pray that you will stir up our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'll break our hearts for our brothers and our sisters, Lord, who are still walking around blind, Father God, blinded to who you are, deaf to your voice, Lord. Father God, we do not stand in judgment. We do not stand in condemnation, Father. Lord, but as we look on, Lord, Lord, will you break our hearts for your people the way that your heart is broken for them, Lord. Father God, I pray that you will stir up a fire in our hearts, Lord, to go and love people the way that you love them, Lord. Lord, may we not grow passive, Lord. But Father God, may we recognize, Lord, that when we are truly in love with you, that the overflow of that is going out and loving others. So Father God, Today, I thank you as folks have made just a a reaffirmation, Lord, to say, Lord, the fire was once there and somewhere along the line uh, became mediocre, Lord. Lord, today I choose to pick up that torch again, Lord. Today I choose to take my eyes off my circumstances, off the wind and off the waves, Lord. And I choose to place my focus on you. I choose to place my focus on you, Lord. And that that is where I draw my courage from. That is where I draw my hope from. That is where I draw my strength from, Lord. Not in my sailing skills or my swimming skills, Lord, but from you. And Lord, I thank you that your word says, Lord, that you will never let us down. Lord, and that you are even faithful to complete the work that you have started in us, Lord. So Father God, may we move forward with our eyes firmly focused on the I am who is here. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And if you agree, just say amen. Amen.